This is Burgos Ed, the podcast that answers all your questions you never dare to ask about banking. And I'm your host, Aurelia Rauch. Hey there, guys, and welcome to Burgos Ed. We're back with a very interesting episode. We know that the financial industry has a bit of a reputation to be a zoo. How much that's true, we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss the animals of the financial circus. And here with me to talk about that is Martina. Hi, Martina. Hello. Hey, Aurelia. And René. Hi, René. Hi, Aurelia. All right. Who wants to start? Well, ladies first, I would say. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we want we we brought some animals today, so almost <laughs> everybody knows about bulls and bears. They're really making a mess outside right now. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Uh, and as you just mentioned, bulls and bears can also be market faces like mm -hmm. bullish and bearish faces so animals they are a commonly used or a commonly used terminology in stock markets to define specific characteristics um, of, of the type of traders or investors or even market scenarios as i just mentioned and um, yeah maybe you also watched uh, the movie the wolf of wall street yep uh, sure. with leonardo dicaprio so um, you might also maybe have wondered why he's referred as a wolf. So yeah, and in today's podcast, we would like to give you an introduction to animals in financial markets. When professionals explain the complex world of finance, they resort to animals, but they make a fine distinction. Central banks tend to be home to feathered friends, stock markets, more about mammals and uh, the swimming species are rather rare so do any animals come to your mind now Aurelia? Yeah I mean bull and bear of course right that's that's kind of a often used term but you know variety of swans uh, I think an ostrich is in there somewhere um, I just learned what a dead cat bounce is so I'm excited to know more about that later <laughs> <laughs> but which ones do you want to start with? Yeah, well, then I, I think I start with the most obvious ones, the, the bulls and bears. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the bronze, the bronze bull in front of the New York Stock Exchange is a landmark in everybody's tourists' visit of New York City. And the bull takes stock prices on its horns <laughs> and flights them upwards. So he signals clearly financial optimism. And mm. uh, you can be bullish on individual stocks, a sector or even market scenarios or, or the market at a whole, as a whole. So no wonder the bull is the most popular one among investors. The problem is that if you have uh, s stock markets or financial markets thrown into the air by a bull then at some point they have to come down again and um, many many abruptly crash and uh, and and get into the bear's paws so the bear is the counterparty of the bull it's rather the pessimistic um, yeah counter counterparty and he pushes the stock market prices to the ground by his paws. I th okay, I that I understand. I always felt like um, the bull makes sense, and the bear is like a, it's a bit of a harder harder image for me to get. But I think this makes sense that 
the bear sort of paws it all down. Yeah, <laughs> depressing. <laughs> yeah, depressing. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Martina, for explaining those two. I always felt like the bull makes sense because he just sort of the upward motion of his horns and the bear paws it all down. Very uh, understandable. Are there other couples, other animal pairs? Yeah, there are several others. Um, for example, rabbits and turtles may not be very obvious to you at the moment. No. So uh, I, I quickly I explain. Okay. So it's a question about who wins the race. Is it flash? Is it quick as a flash or is it rather slow and steady? And um, rabbits and turtles represent investors with different investment philosophies okay. regarding time horizon and also the trade frequency. Mm -hmm. So while rabbits hold positions for a very short time and are on a constant chase also for intraday profits, mm -hmm. turtles pay no mind to short-term fluctuations. Their investment horizon is rather long-term It's yeah, they they absolutely disregard short-term profits, and are rather, or base their investment decisions rather on, on um, high-quality investments, and yeah, turtles also enjoy a greater peace of mind through short and medium-term price swings, and uh, they even may lose out of the daily rewards of short-term profits. Mm -hmm. So looking at fundamentals and also structural trends, they analyze the markets from a higher vantage point than rabbits, who often rely on technical analysis and intraday momentum. Yeah, they, they totally disregard macroeconomic trends. They close down their positions at the end of the day. And uh, yeah. That's 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 these this other pair. And now that I mentioned turtles, like a rather slow animal, I also have snails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a snail is um, is when investors are satisfied with very low returns. Mm -hmm. They put their money uh, in low interest traditional life insurance policies or in bank deposits. So some may even leave their money in a savings bank in a savings account and they don't realize that their money loses value due to inflation they're rather slow in their in their learning or in their yeah investment decisions mm -hmm. martina awesome so that's a snail i'm gonna go to the exact opposite direction feathered friends yes we have hogs and doves for example um, they are used to refer to monetary policy makers, especially in the United States. And central bankers don't usually stand around grazing or roam the woods like bulls and bears. Instead, they fly above our heads. While hawks prefer temperate monetary policy entailing controlled inflation rates and oppose quantitative easing, Doves advocate the use of expansionary monetary policy through the central bank's full tool set in order to lift up inflation. And these attitudes result directly from uh, opposing views on inflation development. So hang on, you need to recap that for me. A hog would do what? A hog expect high inflation. Okay, and a dove would? 
And they expect low low rates. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. Interesting because hawkish behavior in a political sense is, uh, you know, that that's taken that term in politics. So we hear that a lot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's also a lot in the media, and yeah, you read it a lot. It's, I think, an important also yeah monetary policy tool. And even though the the term hog may be interpreted as derogatory designation of conservative policymakers, yeah. a hawkish perspective may actually be beneficial in situations where an optimized or where optimized higher saving rates uh, would benefit a country's long-term growth perspective. Gotcha. Okay. And politically doves may be favorable short-term uh, central bank. Uh, chair in order to keep unemployment rates low and also to stimulate short to medium term output okay and uh, yeah in general policymakers can shift between both positions and uh, that that would actually then be uh, the the well-planned navigation through macroeconomic tides Martina, awesome. That was super detailed and, and very accurate, which serves the purpose, of course. But can I can I summarize that in a like sort of stupid way? Just to sure, see sure, if, sure, if sure. I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> so the hawks are sort of closely watching and are more sort of conservative and are like not too much action here and, you know, kind of laid back a bit in the sense. And the doves are like, print as much money as you want. Or yeah, exa that's that's the idea. Yes, okay, exactly. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Good. The art historian over here will be excused. I hope for everybody who's listening from the financial industry. Now it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Martina. Um, more more birds. Well, actually, I have a couple of birds with me today. Ah, okay. Um, I'm sorry. I always like when when people are more like balanced between positives and negatives. Um, okay. Maybe by nature, as a as a bond manager, I. Uh, strongly focus on the negative so all the birds i have for you today are rather negative that's with okay different I think, shades <laughs> no problem i think martina can make up for that I, ho I hope so i hope so um well you probably have heard of um the black swan or yes. black swan event i have not just from ballet and not just from ballet <laughs> good well a black swan event um as we will soon see is an event in uh, human history that was unprecedented and unexpected at the time it occurred okay so where does it ex where does that term originates from? Well, actually, you can imagine in in the past in medieval um, societies, people only knew white swans. They never saw a black swan until they discovered Australia, of course. And um, it it gives a feeling why it was so why, why these events are called black swan events. So they have actually um, three distinct features. Number one is it is unpredictable in mm -hmm. nature, okay. something that you would not expect to happen. Um, it carries a huge impact for the society as a whole. And um, as we will see, it um, it is explained in, heights, in, in hindsight as if it was already explainable when it occurred. Okay. So a good example for uh, is the global financial crisis. So before the global financial crisis, many people were not that much concerned about the housing market in the US. And then the bubble popped. And afterwards, you heard so many voices saying, yeah, well, that was obvious and uh, we could have expected that. Yeah, yeah. And that was actually also the idea of the of the guy who coined that uh, term, uh, Nassim Taleb. Um, exactly. 
um, the, the global financial crisis was a very rare event, obviously. And for most, um, the, 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 the burst of this bubble came quite sudden. Mm -hmm. So we, there were some indications before, but, but that it burst was, was quite sudden. And past empirical data simply was not sufficient to predict this event. Mm -hmm. Because as it's a rare event, you, don't, you, you always need uh, long uh, time history and um, sufficiently enough um, samples, etc., to predict an event. Mm -hmm. And that was not the case for a global financial crisis. Got it, yeah. And um, if you compare it or if you look at the um, uh, normal distribution, how like events are normally uh, distributed, uh, you can imagine such events in, in the tails of, of, the, of the Gaussian um, uh, bell shape. Uh, and number two, as I said, it carries a huge impact. Well, meanwhile, we know that the global financial crisis had a huge impact sure. on all of us. We yeah. are still, in a way, suffering from that. If you um, think of the um, monetary policy, that that still is not where we used to be before okay. the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And number three, of course, as I said, after the bubble burst, many people said, well, there were signs in the market. Um, we, we mentioned The Wolf of Wall Street, the movie. There is another movie. Um, um, what is it called? The Big Short? The is Big that one? Short, yeah. exactly, uh -huh. exactly, which describes how some market uh, participants were already aware that something's going on. Mm. And, well, we're on the, on the right side in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, René, you mentioned the financial crisis. We often compare it to what happened now with Corona. Is that, is that also a black swan event? Um, some say yes, um, but let's check the, 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 the features. Uh, on the one hand, was it unpredictable? I'd say mm. so. Really? We, we had some pandemic um, events before. We had uh, the bird flu, we had SARS, we had MERS. Right. So, and if you go 100 years back, we had the Spanish flu. So it's, it's not really uncommon that we have such events every now and then. Gotcha. Yeah. And also from the severity, um, it's not uncommon. We, we got caught on the wrong foot, indeed, and we did not have the right measures um, immediately. But, but Okay, but I have to interrupt you there, because when you say for Black Swan event, something has to be unpredictable, the phenomenon itself or the timeliness of it, when it occurs? Because, I mean, it's very thinkable that we get hit by a meteor, but exactly. we don't know when, so exactly. I would say that the yeah. very fact of it, should it happen, is unpredictable. Exactly. So actually, the black swan event, this is unpredictable. Yeah. Okay. We will come to we will come to a, a different shade of a swan event uh, <laughs> soon, um, which actually describes what you just mentioned. Okay. 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 So and uh, what did I say? So number one, it it is somehow predictable. Number two, of course, it has a huge impact. We're still suffering from that. Yeah, uh, sure. Fortunately, here in Switzerland, they are lifting the restrictions soon, but nonetheless, we are far from normal by now. Yeah. And the third thing, and, and this is actually the, the differentiating factor, is um, we, we cannot only explain it afterwards because we already had some uh, similar events in the past. Mm. As I mentioned, SARS 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Right. So yeah. this is why also Nassim Taleb, who, who, who coined this, um, this expression, um, doesn't refer to it as um, a black swan event. If Got you it. look, for example, at the US policy shortly before President Trump um, uh, took over uh, his presidency or, or, or uh, took over responsibility, there was a big like simulation in the US. I think it was called Crimson, Crimson Simulation. Um, where they where they simulated exactly that case, a pandemic that hits the country with a lot of damage and impact. Got it. Got it. So can I 
it can't be that rare or that that uh, unexpected if if there are already like right, uh, right, preparation right. Uh, going on. Can I can I ask you one thing because the sort of in hindsight it seemed predictable part that interests me. Um, does it have to do with human behavior as well? Because I mean something that hits you like a pandemic. I mean, of course, what then happened and how we managed this mm. is human behavior, but the, the outbreak itself, largely natural, same, I'm bringing it back to my media question, you know, is this Black Swan event inherently something that was human-made? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. It can be, as you mentioned, uh, the asteroid that, that uh, crashes into the Earth, um, that, that can also be um, what... What differs is probably how people interpret the, the science. Okay. Uh, oftentimes they underestimate um, the, the severity or the, the strength of the science beforehand and afterwards they uh, uh, realize they, they could have done more. Gotcha, yeah. Okay. Which brings me to the next event. Mm -hmm. so, so obviously Corona is not a black swan event. Um, which brings me to the next event, which is the uh, gray swan event. Gotcha. So gray is not as severe as black, obviously, <laughs> okay. uh, and it also shares some some features. It's a very young swan. <laughs> it's a very young swan. Um, a gray swan event is described as a potentially very significant event whose possible outcome may be predicted beforehand, but where the probability is considered at least somewhat positive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, not absolutely excluded, not absolutely likely, but you have to consider that this might happen soon. Okay. You mentioned the asteroid. So yeah. the asteroid is, we know that we are not, uh, well, maybe we, we are the, the only intelligent life form, but we know that there are a lot of asteroids and, and uh, sure. things in, in space. So it might be that uh, we once get hit again by a huge asteroid, like with the dinosaurs, right? Sure, yeah. So this would be more like a gray swan event. And then the the least severe, if you want, event is, of course, the white swan event. Makes sense, right? Um, the white swan event is um, highly predictable and um, with a high certainty and uh, with an impact that can easily cascade into different other parts of the society. So it starts somewhere and then it goes to the society and so on and so forth and, and has, a, has a big effect on that. Um, but, but it still has a big effect. So we, but we it still can have a, uh, a big effect. Right. Yeah. So swan events generally describe something yeah. of a rather big yeah. impact. Okay. Yeah. okay. And what is also common is that we um, afterwards uh, concoct an explanation um, that recognizes the probability of occurrence, but shifts the focus um, to errors in judgment or some form of like, Uh, human causation got it there we are with the human behavior. exactly yeah. Okay. exactly yeah, yeah. I, i don't know if you knew if you saw the movie uh don't look up yeah i did i was yeah. just thinking about well, that yeah it's yeah. it's a bit like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. for everybody who hasn't a uh, little film tip here it's on netflix it's it's yeah. a really good movie yeah right now it's on netflix we are taping this by the way on the 3rd of february 2022 <laughs> whenever wherever you will hear this <laughs> <laughs> When you open the time capsule in exactly. 150 years. <laughs> awesome, René. Thank you so much. Now we have a better understanding of swans. Um, I will never look at them the same way when I walk by the Zurich Lake. <laughs> Martina, I, there's another one. Actually, also something I see sometimes when I walk by the Zurich Lake, not in person, but, you know, in print, ostriches. Yes. So I have another 
another pair, uh, chickens and ostriches. And even though these two, they don't really seem to have much in common physically, both terms actually uh, designate risk-averse investors, okay. demonstrating different you know, degrees of uh, reluctance in, in adverse market environments. Mm -hmm. So the chicken is the investor placing their funds in low-risk environments, such as their saving accounts. And the ostrich is invested in financial markets, but sticks its head into the sand, so to speak, during rough times, hoping for them to pass. Okay, got it. I think that a lot of these terms now, when you reflect on your own financial situation, bring you to a little bit of a... Hmm. Can you relate <laughs> with an animal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, okay. Um, any other animals that might, you know, cause us a bit more of a, I can relate to that spirit? Mm. What's a very good animal to be? A lion. Is that a lion? <laughs> a wolf. The wolf a of hyena. Wall Street. <laughs> I like actually the unicorns. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay, I can get behind that. Right? Yeah. And I think you probably also read a lot about unicorns lately. Uh, yep. <laughs> you want to dive into the unicorn? Okay, so a unicorn is per definition a privately held startup company, mm -hmm. which is valued over one billion. And mm -hmm. uh, when I remember it correctly, the term was first popularized in 2013 and was used to represent a statistical rarity. And back then only 39, I, I actually, I really looked it up. Back then 39 companies were considered to be unicorns. Mm -hmm. And in October, 2021, uh, there were more than 800 unicorns yeah. around the world. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is massive, mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. And yeah, the species is far from extinction. And popular unicorns include, for example, Airbnb, Facebook, SpaceX, Revolut. But is it still a unicorn then? I mean, Airbnb is in, in place for quite some time already. When did when does a startup when leave this unicorn stage? No, when they when they run company? for IPOs. Ah, okay. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess that offers a lot of questions, right? Like, when is it a startup still? Like, when is it considered? You know, when does the startup phase end? I think that's what that's what you mean. Because mm. some people get incredible investments so early on or have such a high value. Okay, Martina, awesome. Okay, so we want to be a unicorn. That no, I get that. Um, we don't want to be a dead cat. Uh, we don't want to be a dead cat. A dead cat bounce is referred to be a short-lived price recovery in a declining stock, in a declining stock price. And... Uh, The phase results from the macabre thought that even a dead cat will bounce off the ground if dropped from high enough altitude. <laughs> so, you know, however, however, this concept is not merely related to single stocks. In, in, in times of financial turmoil, entire markets and indices have, have shown dead cat bounces. Okay. And to give a little flesh on the bone oh god um, <laughs> you stay in the macabre zone <laughs> so you know during the great recession the down jones industrial average index showed a short-lived price recovery in the mid 
of 2008. And this was um, mis- mistaken uh, to be a recovery by many investors. So, you know, nevertheless, the market continued then its, its downward spiral and um, did not show a reversal. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Maybe now another swan. Well, I, in, I I indeed have one last one, uh, the green swan. Okay, I have uh, never seen a green swan. Really? No. Does it does it sound positive to you, green swan? Yeah, I think we think of green stuff. Ah, uh, sorry, sorry to destroy your. Um, maybe it, it maybe it makes me think of a slightly nauseous swan. <laughs> <laughs> a slightly what? N- nauseous, actually. Uh, well, actually. A green swan is also, unfortunately, not not really a good event. A green swan event, uh, or sometimes also called climate black swan, um, is Mm. actually a climate event that is unexpected and rare, with far-reaching impacts, and with that, um, with the potential to threaten the stability of actually not only the global financial markets but uh, the entire mankind. I guess. Okay. Wow. so I'll run away if I ever see a green swan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think if I would have anyway. Um, as I said, they they sometimes are also referred to as climate black swans, and indeed they share some um, some features. As I said, they are rare; they have a big impact. But nonetheless, there are also some um, yeah differences between usual black swans, which are already quite rare, and uh, the green swans. Uh, number one is. Um, although the impacts of climate change is highly uncertain, I mean we see the we we we, we are aware of the discussion uh, COP26. We also had a, a podcast about that topic. Yeah. All this sustainability and ESG um, um, discussion currently going on. So the the climate change, the impact of the climate change might be highly certain, but um, actually only in the way that we don't know how it will look like. Mm. But we can be quite sure that. Um, with the current like uh, path we are taking um, when it comes to like uh, um, uh, environmental, um, no, how do you say uh, the path we are taking um, regarding pollution and so on and Energy so forth. Transition. Well, no pollution actually. Um, okay, that's why it's about to be that's described. Yeah. Just must it's normal. do? As I said, they are sometimes also referred to as um, climate black swans. And um, though they share some common features like the rarity or the high impact, there are also distinct um, differences between um, usual black swans and uh, green swans. Um, Number one is that although the impacts of of climate change might be highly uncertain in a way that we don't know how it really will look like, Mm -hmm. um, we can be quite sure that um, regardless of how it looks like, it will have... Um, some um, some form of of impact on us, and uh, there is a high certainty that some combination of physical and transition risk will materialize in the future. Gotcha. We don't know how fast, we don't know how severe, but it's um, actually almost a given. Maybe to put that in perspective, what what physical risk and transition risk is. Physical risks are, for example, those risks that arise from the interaction of climate related changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vulnerability um, of the exposure to human and and natural systems. So, for example, um, floods or droughts caused by climate change will have an impact on the people and on the companies over over time, right? 
And transition risk, on the other hand, is more focused on the company perspective. That is, assume a company that is uh, doing business in in mining or exploration and has uh, huge oil reserves and out of a sudden the regulator says, no, we're not burning uh, fossil fuels anymore. So they cannot do anything with that anymore. So this risk is referred to as transition risk. Got it. And in any case, some form of these two risk types will materialize over time. The second um, differentiation between black swans and green swans is that um, Climate climate catastrophes can be expected to be much more severe that, than what we have seen in the mm -hmm. past. I mean, it's obviously one thing if financial markets um, 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 go down, um, even if it's like 30, 40, 50%, but that's still better if the whole continent or the whole world goes down, right? Mm -hmm. So the impact of um, climate catastrophes will be obviously much bigger than um, the financial impact of normal black swans. And the third, which is um, also quite obvious, uh, is that um, these two swan events differ in the complexity of the problem. So one thing, the financial markets, the other thing, as I mentioned before, um, green swan events um, could have severe cascade effects and mm -hmm. trickle down effects from like the climate thing itself to societies, uh, if you think of civil wars and so on and so forth. So um, once it started, it can be very challenging and hard to stop that process. Okay, Martina, the last one that I really want to know about is the shark. <laughs> and I could not have said dum, that in dum, a more doomy way. Dum, dum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the shark also comes uh, as as your swans, Renee, in in different varieties. So, either a hungry large animal or specimen uh, that devours its victims, but also a small and rather annoying fish. So, for example, the rent shark belongs to the first variety. Its preferred hunting ground are apartments, for example, in Munich, Hamburg, Frankfurt. Mm. And after all, the rent shark can be recognized and avoided. That's, uh, that's actually a good thing. The lone shark, on the other hand, sneaks up on his victims uh, and he hides behind a cloak of compound interest scales that are hardly recognizable uh, to the uninitiated swimmer in the financial pool got it so <laughs> to speak and uh, yeah there the victims are you know they they cannot hide from it they cannot get away so they kind of like bleed out slowly so once you're in the shark tank you will never come out of me exactly 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 The, that's the lone shark. Mm. <laughs> that's it. We're that's done. It. That's no it. more animals for today. Okay. No more animals, guys. That's amazing. Is the is the zoo closing, <laughs> so to say? It's closing time now, indeed. Okay, <laughs> perfect. If any new animals occur in the world of finance, you'll be back. Yes. <laughs> in the next episode, we will talk about the financial giraffe, <laughs> how she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> what and how she's and, doing. and most importantly what sounds she makes yeah. yeah okay thank you both for being here today thank, thank you thank you Aurelia bye bye bye